Welcome to the ACC Basketball Report. I am your host, Michael Hunter, as always, and I have been away for too long. It's only been about 10 days, but, uh, you know, this is what I love to do, and unfortunately, it feels like I've been gone forever, and when you guys get a Wednesday podcast, this is what you get. (sighs) That is a lovely yingling adult frosty cold beverage that I'll be drinking as I join you today. Uh, Joining you midweek for... Uh, You know, something I don't typically do. I don't typically do uh, the midweek podcast. I try not to. Um, It's, you know, my regular job gets in the way. It's a pain in the ass. And uh, it's it's, it's just, you know, hold on one second. My headphones are all fucked up. All right, there. That's a little bit better. Now I can actually hear something. So, anyway... Got a, a little bit uh, of information to give to you guys this week. It's going to be two shows this week because I couldn't get to it Sunday. Um, if you guys follow me on Twitter or listen to the podcast uh, the week before last, you'll know that I had some people, uh, my people, uh, that I hold very dear, uh, two very good friends of mine, uh, fly in this past Thursday and came down to North Carolina from Maine, hung out with me, hung out with their cousin Brian. Uh, shout out to Jess, shout out to Tony, shout out to Brian and Steph. You know, uh, we haven't seen each other in, you know, a solid 18 months. So it was, uh, you know, it was four and a half days of drunken fucking foolishness. And uh, something that, you know, I thought I was ready for. Apparently I was not. Uh, good food, good people, good weather. Uh, for whatever reason, last Friday we was over in Holly Springs, North Carolina. It's about 100 degrees, 120 degrees in the sun. And I don't know what possessed me, but that day I was a little bit hungover and I wore jeans and just swamp ass all day. It was awful. I was miserable. But, uh, you know, if you know North Carolina weather, it's it's a lot of porch sitting. Uh, there's no mosquitoes. It's beautiful. Uh, we caught up on the last 18 months and talked about the upcoming wedding. You know, congratulations to Tony and Jess on their, on their impending marriage. Um, you know, just good times with good people. Um, I was going to try to do a podcast with Tony since he actually did play ball in college. It didn't quite work out that way. Um, I did not have some of the equipment that I needed, unfortunately, which sucks because he's a UNC fan. You know, he's a fellow ACC fan. And, uh, you know, we could have had a really good conversation. He's a coach. Uh, he's a youth mentor. And on the, he's also a correctional officer. So he's a pretty interesting guy with a lot of knowledge as far as basketball goes. Uh, unfortunately, I couldn't make it happen. Uh, and I apologize for that. But at some point, I'll get him on the podcast. He's a, he's a good listen. Um, very, uh, you know, well-spoken and knowledgeable individual. And we'll get him on here at some point. But anyway... I was going to do the podcast last night. Uh, Some of you may have noticed. Let me grab a delicious drink of this frosty cold beverage. Oh, that's good. Um, And uh, I I put it off because uh, one of the most sought-after transfers in the college basketball free agent market, uh, Sasha Kalea Jones, uh, decided he was going to commit to NC State uh, yesterday, which is not a big deal in and of itself. I mean, he's he's a former five-star guy, uh, five-star recruit, originally signed with Virginia in high school, but ended up decommitting and going to Kentucky as a freshman and sophomore. Averaged roughly three points and three rebounds a game in two seasons in Lexington. You know, not a huge deal. But earlier in the week, uh, Florida International University uh, player named Eric Lockett also committed to NC State. So with the... Uh, the Torn Dorn situation, which Torn Dorn is currently an NC State player that has his name in the draft. He's not signed with an agent. That puts their scholarship at 14. Their scholarship 
you know, uh, number at 14, which obviously limit is 13. I speculated that Torn Dorn would announce that he was going pro. I then read an article by Pack Insider um, that one of their incoming freshmen would no longer be enrolling in NC State. So I wanted to have that information. I was really hoping it would leak before I, I got on today if I pushed the podcast for 24 hours. Luckily it did. The, the player that is no longer enrolling at NC State is Sadiq Bey, who is uh, top... Top 100 to top 120 type player. Uh, 6'7 swing kid, a kid that I really like. Um, and this, I, I was hoping it was Torn Dorn was going pro. Or he was going to grad transfer. Both are possible because Torn Dorn actually graduated from college this past week. And what it comes out as is something that pisses me off about college basketball. Okay. NC State basically said, we want you, we want you, we want you, come visit, come come to us, come to us, come to us. The kid commits, he's ready to go. Oh shit, there's another player that we like better, and now you can't come here anymore. Now, do I know that's exactly what happened? No, but I know that that stuff does happen. Um, and, I, and I think it's horseshit. Something else that I'm also seeing and hearing is that NC State has placed restrictions on Sadiq Bay, restricting him from signing with any other ACC basketball program, which again is complete bullshit. Now, this isn't the first time I've talked about this. When I first started ACC Basketball Report last year, I commented on it. As soon as MJ Walker, who went to Florida State and is still on that roster there, as soon as he committed to the Seminoles, there was a freshman named, an incoming freshman named Brian Trimble who all of a sudden was no longer enrolling at Florida State 24 hours or so after MJ Walker decided he was going to Florida State because their scholarship limit was also exceeded. They then had 14 scholarship players. Now, Trimble landed fine. He ended up at St. John's. He averaged three points per game this past season. Obviously, MJ Walker is a budding star for the Seminoles. But this this over-recruitment is something we often see in college football, but not typically recognized in college basketball. Now, if you pay attention, you can see it happen. It happens more regularly than you might think. The other question I have with this comes is, is this a trade that I would make if I'm Kevin Keats? Um, eh, you know, they have... They, this is a five-star kid, okay, who also, by the way... Apparently is he, he's underwhelmed so far in his two years at Kentucky. Now you know Calipari did his thing. He got you know the big newsworthy class to come in, and he got all the the glitz and glamour of having a top five recruiting class and all this shit. And then he what he do? He recruits over the kid, okay? Because he can't. They don't develop kids at Duke and Kentucky, okay? They just keep recruiting the best guys and recycling guys. The other thing is it's rumored that SKJ has underwhelmed in the classroom as well. The rumor is that both UNC <laughs> and Pittsburgh both stopped recruiting Kalea Jones because his transcripts at Kentucky were so bad. Okay, Now, you may see the irony here that UNC, how, how bad of a student do you have to be where UNC won't allow you to not attend their fake classes? Okay? Uh, you know, it's got to be bad. I mean... I mean, I flunked out of college the first time. Luckily, I, I got my shit together and I went back and I, and I went through the engineering program and I ended up fine. But you got to be bad. First of all, to flunk at Kentucky where you got to think, you know, they got tutors. They have kids that do their homework for them, which, by the way, if you don't think that happens, you're full of shit. Um, 
And then for UNC to say, yeah, you can't not attend our fake classes. You're not a good enough student to not go to class. Uh, Pitt is a, is a private school. And you would think that the way that that roster looks right now, Jeff Capel would, would welcome Kalea Jones in a heartbeat. I mean, that's an immediate talent upgrade for that roster. Now, if these rumors are true, it boggles my mind. Um, it also wouldn't blow my mind if all this shit was just nonsense because Kalea Jones decided not to go to those schools. You know, that could just be started by some kid in a dorm room that got a little butt hurt because this kid wanted to go to NC State. Both are absolutely possible. The uh, Again, the other question is, is this a trade I would make? Okay, maybe he's bad in the classroom. Okay, he's got to sit for a year to play two. He might never suit up if he's that poor of a student. Okay, the other question, the other aspect of that is he's already played poorly two years at Kentucky when he's a very talented kid. I mean, he's, he's a burger boy. You know, he's a McDonald's All-American. Sadiq Bay is a six-seven wing that can handle the ball, run like a gazelle. Uh, Kevin Keats has. An offense and a defense that is very up-tempo. They like to push the pace. They also have, uh, what, Derek Funderburk coming in, who's a Juco. You may remember him. He's a former player at Ohio State. He went Juco, uh, very highly regarded coming out of high school. Didn't quite pan out at Ohio State. Went Juco, came back. He'll be eligible this year. They have uh, Ian Steer, who formerly committed to Creighton, decommitted. Now he's going to NC State. He is a big-time recruit. And they also have a kid who's a little bit under the radar called Emmanuel Bates, who is... Uh, 6'10", 6'11", a little skinny. He's actually kind of a Kalea Jones clone. Um, he's a really good defensive player. So they have three quality bigs, plus they got Wyatt Walker, who's a grad transfer from Sanford. So their their front court is already solidified. They have four good players up front. Uh, Jericho Helams is a freshman who's going to play the wing forward. Sadiq Bay could play the two or the three. They have C.J. Bryce. They have DeAndre Daniels from Utah. They have uh, uh, the Missouri kid Blake Harris will not be, I don't believe he'll be eligible till December. And then obviously you have Markel Johnson and Braxton Beverly coming back. This is a supremely talented team. Kevin Keats has turned that roster so well and so fast, it blows my mind. Um, if you don't know who CJ Bryce is, he played at UNCW under Keats. He is a scoring machine. Really good player. Um, I expect him to be a high impact player in the ACC as he is a as he plays. I think he's got one left. I would have to confirm that to be sure. But it, it's an odd trade to make to choose Kalea Jones over Sadiq Bay when you have four quality front court players. I am not sure I would make that trade. Now, all this could be just blasphemy on my part. You know, a lot of it is speculation. This is just me trying to read tea leaves. I don't really do it all that well. Sometimes I do pull a rabbit out of my ass, though. Now, <clears throat> Bay may have said, eh, I'm a little trepidatious. I don't know if I just used that word correctly. Ugh, I hate when I do that shit. He may have said, I, I don't feel comfortable. Helam's maybe beating him out. I don't want to sit behind C.J. Bryce. I don't want to sit behind DeAndre Daniels. I don't want to sit behind Jericho Helams, which I think... They're pretty equal. I think Bay is a better player than Helams, but I may be wrong. You know, I haven't seen either one of them play since last winter. And even then, it's YouTube. It's difficult to gauge without seeing a guy play in a game all the way through, in the flow. 
you know, watching highlight videos, it's very difficult to get a feel for how these guys play. And there's very few full game videos available to people on YouTube. It's mostly highlight hype videos of dunking and, you know, they might go three for 21, but you're only going to see the three. Okay. Now, where does he go from here? Well, if, if the rumors are true, if Keats actually put a restriction on Bay, which I think is completely ridiculous, they should not have that power. Did he ever even enroll in class? What gives them power over him? If he enrolled in a May term, there may be a point. Remember Braxton Beverly, who also plays for NC State, had the same issue when he left Ohio State, but that was an NCAA issue. I haven't heard about any involvement from the NCAA in this kid's transfer, so I don't know if he actually enrolled. I don't know if he actually ever went to class. Beverly transferred out in June or July, so that was the issue there. This kid should be able to go and play wherever he wants. If he is able to do so, which I think when this is all hashed out, it's just a gut feeling. The way that people pay attention to these things now is if he is able to go where he wants, and I think he'll be able to by the time this all gets worked out, look for his top three schools to be Xavier, which is... I. I, I if he's not restricted, I expect him to go to Xavier. Okay, Pittsburgh, who was very deep on him uh, before he went, and that was with Kevin Stallings. Jeff Capel is a hell of a recruiter, and I'm going to talk more about that in a second. I wouldn't be surprised to see Capel be all over this kid. He is He's the best, the most highly regarded player left in the 2018 class right now, coming in. He's the best kid left on the list. Um, all the other guys have committed. You know, the, the Jordan Brown kid, he went to Nevada. Ramey went to Texas. All that stuff's been settled. This is the kid right now. He's the highest ra rated recruit left on the board. Um, I expect Capel to be all over him. The other dark horse, uh, I would I say dark horse. They're not a dark horse, dark horse, but they didn't get much pub before he committed uh, to NC State is Louisville. Chris Mack, I'm not sure if he recruited him specifically, or directly at Louis at Xavier, but Xavier was all over him uh, before Chris Mack went to Louisville. I expect him because Chris Mack right now has zero incoming freshmen, no players signed for the 2018 class. Right now, he needs players. Sadiq Bay is a six-seven kid who can play at least three positions. I don't know if he can handle the ball well enough to be a point, but doesn't have to. Right now, he would be their number one recruit. I mean. I expect Chris Mack to be involved. So look for Pittsburgh, Xavier, Louisville to be involved. If there is actually a restriction on him, I'm going to say he's going to Xavier. If there is not a restriction on him, I'm going to say Capel wins out and the kid goes to Pitt, mostly because he had a lot of interest in Pitt before he went to NC State. So something to keep your eye on. He's a really talented player, guys. He's a guy that I really like. Um, that I actually kept notes on because he was really heavily involved with a lot of ACC schools. A lot of ACC schools were after him back in the day. Notre Dame, I think, was after him pretty hot and heavy as well. Okay, uh, we'll move on a little bit real fast. Uh, something I wanted to get to, something I've railed on the past few weeks, uh, is the Georgia Tech coaching situation. They have filled one of the spots. Now, I said in the last in, in the last podcast, which I believe was on the 6th, May 6th, that I expect Julian Schwartz to be named this, one of the assistant coaches at Georgia Tech. That is yet to happen. But what they did do was they hired Anthony Wilkins uh, away from Tulane, which if you know anything about Tulane, Tulane is coached by former uh, NBA coach and very well-respected uh, head coach Mike Dunleavy Sr. Um, he coached two years at Tulane under Dunleavy. Um, played. He was actually a player 
on the Kent State Elite Eight team in 2002. One of their leading scorers, one of their better defensive players. Uh, he was a six-seven combo guard forward type player. Um, uh, he is basically credited with uh, development of guards at Tulane. Uh, he is he handled all the scouting reports for Tulane, a lot of their uh, game time prep, things of that nature. Uh, he also is the co-founder of Stackhouse Elite AAU, as well as a native of Atlanta. Now, if you know anything about Georgia Tech fans, this is an important step in hiring coaches for whatever reason, whether whether people deserve it or not. Okay, being an Atlanta native is a big deal to people in Atlanta. Okay, now. What do I mean when I say that? I mean that some people actually wanted Mark Price to get one of these spots. Okay, Mark Price, in my opinion, actually people wanted Mark Price to be considered for the head coaching position when Brian Gregory was fired. Okay, Mark Price had no credentials that warranted him to come in and have an ACC coaching position. Absolutely zero, none. Love Mark Price. Mark Price is a legend at Georgia Tech, and for that reason, I do not want him as the head coach at Georgia Tech because I think it would taint his legacy. Look at what happened at UNC Charlotte. Okay, what is that? Conference USA? American? I don't even know what conference they're in anymore. You go to the ACC and you fumble at your alma mater. It taints your legacy forever. Um, that is not something I want for Mark Price. Mark Price needs to remain a legend and, and a treasure in Atlanta. And for that reason, I have no interest in him being the head coach of Georgia Tech. Um, he has been considered for other um, other positions on the, on the staff. And we'll see if that ever comes to fruition. Uh, but as of right now, I, I don't believe that he... He's not ready for that level. I'm not even sure he was ready for UNC Charlotte, and you know that proved out. Uh, back to Wilkins. One other thing, you know, he played pro, uh, professionally for six years, never made it to the league. Uh, did play in the developmental league, and he's also this is what really sticks out to me. He's a counselor at the a counselor or was formerly a counselor at the NBA Top 100 camp. So that combined with Stackhouse Elite. Combined with his in-game coaching, this guy is basically a Tavares Hardy clone. Okay, Tavares Hardy is the position he basically filled. Uh, he left for uh, Loyola Maryland uh, for the head coaching gig, which, you know, good on him. Proud of him. Hope he does well. Uh, this feels like a good hire to me. Um, I was worried that a lot of the quality uh, assistant coaches that would be available would be sucked up by now. Uh, this feels like a really good hire to me, whether or not it turns out to be. You know, we'll see. It'll be a year, year and a half. Uh, I'm sorry, a year, two years. Uh, we'll see how he recruits. He was pull He actually may have been part of the team that pulled in Justin Moore, who was formerly a Georgia Tech player, uh, to Tulane. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Justin Moore is a point guard from the San Diego area that originally committed to Tulane, ended up at Georgia Tech, and then he's left Georgia Tech. And I don't think he's committed anywhere yet. But Anthony Wilkins coached a guard that eventually ended up in the ACC already. Now, Justin Moore, not quite ACC level, wasn't quite ready for that, but he's a good kid um, and uh, a well, a very good representative of the program, to my knowledge, to, to what I've seen. As far as Wilkins, if Dunleavy Sr. trusts him to come up with game plans and scouting reports and in-game coaching and things like that, if Mike Dunleavy trusts him, hey, cool. 
<laughs> I trust him too. So again, I think this is going to end up being a good hire, a quality hire. Uh, Passner has made it a point to surround himself with very good coaches. Uh, he, When he came to Georgia Tech, he said one of his biggest downfalls at Memphis was he hired some guys that were too young, guys that were inexperienced, uh, maybe some big name guys to impress uh, some of the Memphis uh, you know, uh, radical fans that they have at Memphis, and you know now he's 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 concentrating on keeping guys like Eric Reveno and Tavares Hardy and this Anthony Wilkins. You know, those are really quality assistant coaches that help Passner uh, have a, a very well-rounded staff. So we'll see how this turns out. I think it's a good hire. Um, Going to jump into a little bit of player movement again. I don't have a whole lot for you guys today, but. I feel like I've I've been away forever, and uh, I, I wanted to get in touch with you guys. I didn't want to lose what little fan base I have, and uh, you know I, I'm trying to build the brand here, so I want to get the information that I have out to you, and I'll see you again in a few days. But for player movement out of the ACC, uh, some things were resolved this week. Marcus Carr, formerly a point guard at Pitt under Kevin Stallings, he has committed to Minnesota. This is a move I don't really understand. Uh, Minnesota has a point guard that will basically be in the same class. Uh, Carr will now be a redshirt senior, but Isaiah Washington is now the point guard at Minnesota, which uh, if you've never seen Washington play, he's he's a tough New York point guard who is going to be phenomenal for the Gophers. And uh, I don't ever see Carr really overtaking that position from him. I'm not sure if they can play together. Obviously, Carr is a sit-one, play-three player. So he's going to get in there as a, as a redshirt senior after Washington either uh, graduates or maybe he declares early at some point. I'm, I'm not sure if, if that's in his immediate future. I think he's still got a ways to go, but he's a very exciting player. Um, it's an interesting move by Carr. I, I like Carr. If you've listened to this podcast and read the blog, you know that I think he's got some upside. Um, another uh, another high name player, uh, another point guard even that left the program recently was uh, Lavar Bats. Actually left NC State. Uh, I look for him to land at a program that has an up tempo style. Uh, basically, I think the only reason he left NC State because I think Kevin Keats' style of play really fits Bats' skill set. Is Bats was never going to overtake Markel Johnson again. Um, Bats was a soft uh, freshman. Johnson's a sophomore. Next year, Bats will be a fr- uh, sophomore. Bats will be a junior. Markel Johnson isn't going pro, but he's also never going to fall behind Lavar Bats on, on the uh, on the depth chart. And Braxton Beverly can play the combo guard, uh, you know, a little bit and can shoot it way better than Bats. So Bats is kind of the third wheel in that scenario. And then you got Blake Harris, who I like. I like Bats. Better than Blake Harris, but uh, you know, I, I see Bats ending up at a place like I don't know VCU, where he was once committed before Shaka Smart went to Texas. Uh, now Mike Rhodes is there. Mike Rhodes is the architect of the Havoc defense. I think that fits Bats' game incredibly well. Whether or not he ends up there, I don't know. But look for wherever he ends up to be a high-tempo, Havoc-style defense like Keats runs, like Mike Rhodes runs. I I think he's going to end up being a good player. He immediately becomes one of my favorite transfers. Uh, If he goes to someplace like the Atlantic 10 or the American or, uh, you know, not Conference USA, maybe the Big East, which Big East is basically a Power power 6 program at this this point. But I think if he goes to any of those places, Creighton, you know what I mean? That kind of sticks out. He could go to Creighton. Uh, Certainly McDermott would, would let him run wild there. 
there's some places that he can go that he could have an immediate impact. So he's one to keep an eye on for sure. Uh, Parker Stewart actually landed at University of Tennessee Martin. Now, if you're thinking, what? Um, there is a reason behind it. His dad actually coaches at UT Martin. Uh, I thought all along it was Memphis or Georgetown. They were promptly eliminated, so that shows you how much I know at sometimes. Uh, but it makes sense to go to UT Martin. I mean, you're going to go play for your old man. Look for UT Martin to probably at some point over the next three. He's a sit one, play three. Look for the UT Martin to be in the tournament eventually. I, I think Parker Stewart is that good. He's going to go to a school like that. I, I expect them to be really good in their conference. You're going to see him in the tournament at some point. Um, I actually wrote an article uh, last week, late last week, I want to say either Wednesday or Thursday, that named uh, three deep, deep ACC sleepers as far as players go for this upcoming season. Um, and true to form, the ACC basketball report curse reared its ugly head again because the following day, uh, Tyree... Pig Jackson uh, left Virginia Tech for Northwest Florida Junior College. Now, for those of you who don't know, uh, Tyree was a, red, a redshirt freshman who is the younger brother of former uh, Georgia Tech scoring guard uh, Tadrick Jackson. Um, now, because he's already a redshirt freshman, it makes sense that he goes the junior college route because after he spends a year at junior college, he won't have to sit a year to come back to D1. It's similar to what uh, Funderburk just did when he left Ohio State, and now he's going back to NC State. Um, there have been some other players recently that have done it, and for right now, as always, their names escape me. Um, expect him to be back in D1 after the 18-19 season at... A lower tier, well, I mean, ACC is the highest tier you can get. So expect him to be at a lower tier uh, type program. He, he can score. Okay, his his per war, uh, per 100 possession and per 40-minute averages are phenomenal. Okay, if you go to the article that I posted last Thursday, check out what I the stats that I put up for uh, Tyree Jackson. He can score just like his brother. Can't shoot it great, but if he gets into the rim, he can or to the rim into the lane. He can raise some hell. He's a good player. Uh, look for him to be at D1 in 19 and 20 and making an impact at a lower level program. Uh, now, player movement into the ACC. We had a few guys come in, uh, and one guy actually snuck in under the radar on me a couple weeks ago. Uh, we'll get to that in just a second because I want to talk about Jeff Capel a little bit more. As always, it seems like a weekly thing at this point. Uh, real quick, though, Javon, uh, Javon White commits to Clemson. 6'9", uh, power forward on Oral Roberts, averaged about 10 points, 9 rebounds last year and is immediately eligible he'll be a really good front court depth player backup for elijah thomas may even start for them but i expect him kind of to slide into that mark donnell role um as the backup big uh, I, ex I think amir sims is gonna play that hybrid forward position i don't think brownell wants to start white next to elijah thomas i, I see white as more of that that depth player um, than the the co-front court player. We'll see how that rolls, though. Uh, now, I'm going to butcher this kid's name, and I apologize in advance. Saidi Endir uh, has committed to Pitt. He is another guard, actually. Comes from New Mexico State, also immediately eligible. Um, you know, one point uh, through nine games a couple years ago, averaged 13 points a game. I think he's been hampered by injuries a little bit. He, he's a really good player. New Mexico State's a really good program. Um, he's, like I said, a graduate transfer he, I don't think he's going to start ahead of McGowan's. I, I think McGowan's will start ahead of him. I wouldn't be surprised to see something like uh, Endier 
Starts early on, McGowan's overtakes him, especially if Pitt isn't that good. I think you're going to want to break McGowan's in. Let him get that experience. Let him roll. You know, that's the guy for your future. Let him roll. So since Capel has been on campus, he has brought in Endier. He's brought, who's a, a basically a two-star guy, um, but is a good player. You know, a guy that's developed well under a good program, a good coach at a good program at New Mexico State. Uh, Trey McGowan, who's a four-star guy. Xavier Johnson, who is a talent upgrade, three-star, great athlete, great defensive player, good in the open court. Needs to work on his shooting, but he's a player that I like. Um, and he also brought in a point guard named Curtis Aiken. So he's already revamped his backcourt. Curtis Aiken's also a three-star player out of uh, Allegheny, who, you know, local guy to, to Pitt. Uh, I think they beat out TCU and Tennessee, I believe, I want to say, uh, for Aiken. So, you know, he had other high major offers. You know, Capel's doing what Capel does. He's, you know, already upgrading the talent on there. Him and he, he, him and Josh Pastner, same deal. Okay. Capel is gonna recruit at a very high level. But first you gotta you gotta get kids in there that wanna be there and the kids that can play. You know, Stallings went JUCO transfer. Uh he went JUCO kids like the uh Chukwuku that just they're they're not ACC caliber players. These are ACC caliber recruits. Okay, these are kids that can play at this level. Um, now, what he really needs to do is start getting some front court guys in there. I thought Kalea Jones was a real possibility for for Pitt. Um, I was really surprised to hear that they were no longer recruiting him. Um, as far as 2018 freshman, uh, Robert Braswell has committed to Syracuse. He's a three star, uh, six nine, hundred and seventy pound, little little thin, little little you know little rail thin. Uh, forward. He's a kind of a hybrid. He can step out and shoot a little bit. He's number 170 according to 24-7 sports. Uh, 170 on the 2018 list. You know, does this mean that O'Shea Brissett will not be back? No, not at all. Uh, Syracuse is in desperate need of bodies. Uh, right now, they have eight scholarship players according to verbal commits. That is not counting Tyus Battle or O'Shea Brissett. So with those two coming back, that would give them 10. Now remember that Buddy Bayheim is a non-scholarship player at the moment. If they roll in the next season with eight scholarship players, I expect them to go on scholarship at least for one season. Um, I think Battle's gone, I, which, and I think Brissett's going to come back. I don't know why. I don't know why I think that. But I think it should be the opposite. I think Brissett should go and Battle should stay. Rarely what I want or what I think is going to happen actually happens. If if both of them come back, holy fucking moly. Uh, you know, I, I really like this Syracuse team with Jalen Carey, Merrick Dolajai, um, and, and Frank Howard. Frank Howard? Yeah, Frank Howard. I was going to say Howard Washington. Actually, he's a player on that team too. Never mind. Uh, you know, some of these guys, some of these names, they just get jumbled in my brain. But uh, this kid, this uh, this Braswell kid, you know, he he's a project kid. He's not going to come in. Uh, and <laughs> that's not that sounded different than what I wanted it to sound. He's a long term project player, is what I actually meant. I didn't mean he's a project kid like he's a kid from the projects. I don't know. Uh, he may be. Who cares? But anyway, he's a kid that if he's going to if he's going to have an impact, it'll probably be his junior or senior year. Would be my best guess. Um, he's going to need some development, and that's fine because they have uh, Sidibe, they have Chuck uh, Chuck Wu, and they have Dolazai. And I know that I just butchered Pascal's last name, and I apologize for that. So I'll just call him Pascal. Um, 
They have good front court players, especially if Brissett comes in, uh, stays. Uh, you know, he can play the hybrid 3-4. I really like Dolajai long-term. You guys know that. Sidibe came on, had some good games after he got his, over his injury last year. Uh, and Chuck Wu is, you know, he's a rim protector, shot blocker, and anchor in the middle of that zone. So this kid, this Braswell kid, he doesn't need to impact immediately. Now, if Brissett and Battle both go... He might have to play some minutes sooner than he's ready, and you're going to see some bumps in the road from him. But I think for, for right now, if he's going to stay in the four spot, um, he, he's got some depth ahead of him, and that'll give him time to develop. But he is a typical uh, Jim Beheim type player. He's, he's long, he's lean, he's quick, and you know he's going to be effective in that zone, you have to believe. Um, I already touched on this, but I'm going, to, I'm going to go back to it. Eric Lockett has committed to NC State. He is a grad transfer from Florida International. He is a torn dorn type player. Uh, not a great three-point shooter, but averaged 14-6-3 a game at Florida International. And again, I mean, what can you say about Kevin Keats and the way he's worked this roster? You know, he, he's doing it on all angles. He's bringing in freshmen. He's bringing in JUCOs. He's bringing in grad transfers. He's bringing in regular transfers. He's developing kids that were left over that fit his system, such as Markel Johnson. Um, I mean, the guy can just flat out build a team and build a program. NC State, I don't want to give anything away, but I'm going to. They're a dark horse team for this conference for next year. I, I look at their team, I just see it all. I see defense, I see point guard play, I see shooting. You know, they play up tempo, so they're fun to watch. This is a team I really like. Now, I'm not going to give too much away. I'm not going to say they're going to win the whole damn conference. I'll save that for the preseason predictions. But they're going to be in the mix. Mark that down. All right. So, outside of player movement, let me grab a drink of this delicious traditional lager. Yingling, still looking for sponsors, just in case anybody's listening. Okay, recruiting news. I don't typically dive into this. Um, I lean on some people that I know that can read tea leaves a little bit better than I can. So I don't, I don't break the news. I just bring you stuff that I happen to hear around the way sometimes. Uh, Christian Brown, okay, number twenty-two player in the two thousand and nineteen class, uh, has cut his list to seven. Okay, Brown is a five-star kid, six-seven. Uh, what is he? Two hundred pound five-star forward out of South Carolina. He is one of my favorite players in the 2019 class. I just really like to watch this kid play basketball. He's a beast in the open court. Uh, cut his list to seven. Two ACC schools make the cut, those schools being Clemson and NC State. Now, this is uh, to round out the top seven, Florida, UNLV, uh, South Carolina, Seton Hall, and Georgia. Do you guys ever watch a kid play in at the high school or the prep level and – there's just you. You can just picture them and the way they play in a, a, a college uniform at a particular school. I've known about this kid for I don't know 18 months now. Okay, ever since the very beginning, I've pictured him at Virginia Tech. I don't know why. It was brought to my attention. He's got the same haircut as Chris Clark. Problem that you know. There's the solution right there. Uh, you know he was a Georgia Tech or a Georgia Tech target. Really wanted him. He was my number one. Favorite player for 2019 that Tech was involved in. He will not be involved. He will not be attending Georgia Tech. He will not be attending Virginia Tech as of right now. Now, it's interesting though that when you watch a kid play at the prep level, the way he plays, the way he moves, you can just see him playing for certain teams, like uh, the Dotson kid last year. Uh, you all you knew almost the entire time he was going to Kansas, where he ended up at Kansas. Um, 
there is a kid who is about to graduate or about to announce his decision named Paul Mulcahy. Or, uh, if I just if I just butchered his name, I apologize. He looks like a Rutgers kid. Okay, I actually thought he looked like a Xavier kid. Why? Because he looks like the second coming of J.P. McCurr. Okay, that's just the way he strikes me. It's just funny how sometimes you associate the way that kids play at the prep level with certain programs. Now, the crystal ball predicts that Mulcahy is going to Rutgers, which the crystal ball is sometimes wrong. But I, you know, Xavier just took a commit today from Elias King. Whether or not that impacts this kid's recruitment, I don't know. Um, the Elias King recruitment could uh, affect the Sadiq Bay recruitment. But I think they can coexist. I think, and I think that would be a hell of a wing combination, by the way. But this is the ACC podcast, okay? None of these kids are coming to the ACC. Moving on, Anthony Higgs has named his final three. Virginia Tech is involved now. Who's Anthony Higgs? Okay, six eight, two hundred pound small forward out of Maryland. He's ranked three hundred and seventy seventh by twenty four seven Sports. The other two programs in his final three are Buffalo and the University of South Florida. I don't, this is just me talking. This is just me spitballing. I am not sure he has a committable offer from Virginia Tech. I would be shocked if he ends up at Virginia Tech. I fully expect him to end up at Buffalo. I think. Now, Crystal Ball has him 100% Ole Miss. Obviously, Ole Miss didn't make the final three. So I don't really have a whole lot to go by, except my gut. When you look at... You look at these three teams, Virginia Tech, Old, uh, Buffalo, and USF. Virginia Tech is is chasing, and I'm going to get to another one right after this one, is chasing really high-profile guys. Not that There's nothing against this kid. I, you know, He may be way better than his 377th ranking. As we saw within the last couple weeks, Xavier Johnson is a player that's committed to Pitt who is way better than his ranking. Okay? I will admit I have not seen a whole lot of this Higgs play, this Higgs kid play, except for 20 minutes surfing around YouTube, okay? But when I break it down, I think Virginia Tech's out. I don't think he has a committable offer. When you look at the, the coaching, Buffalo, USF, okay, he's going to Buffalo. That's just, that's how I break it down in my mind. We'll see how it goes. Um, now, to Virginia Tech again, uh, Audiace, nah, I know I didn't say that right, and I didn't mean to say it like that. Odisi Tone, I think is his name. God, I, I hope I got that right. Uh, took an official visit to Virginia Tech. 6'6", shooting guard, big shooting guard, just like every other player on Virginia Tech, it seems like. Uh, Four-star, ranked 116th in the class. Uh, I think he's a really good player. He is basically the perfect player uh, in the 2019 class to come in and replace a guy like Ahmed Hill or Travis Outlaw. Um, I, I, it's a natural fit. And the way that the recruiting lines up, it, it's a real. I, I think it's, you know, when he's chasing when the, when Virginia Tech is chasing kids like this for the 2019 class, I just don't see them allowing a kid like Higgs to commit. Um, you know, they've got guys like Landers Nolly already on 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 roster and things of that. I just it's it's interesting. This is kind of how recruiting works. You know, you make offers to a kid, but then you put them in a bucket. <laughs> And uh, you put him in a bucket. I apologize for that. Tucker is losing his mind. But um, you put kids in a bucket. If you don't think you're going to get him, this is the backup plan. And uh, you and you go from there. Which, uh, you know, 
it's what it is what it is. I mean, sometimes there are just preferences. There are tiers to your recruiting panel, your recruiting board. And maybe Higgs is on Virginia Tech's board, but I don't think they're going to allow Higgs to commit and suck up a scholarship when they have kids like Tony on the hook and are, are getting official visits and possibly committing. Now, I wanted to end today's show on uh, maybe a somber, but ultimately uh, a really nice story. Uh, you know, you guys know me sometimes. I'm a little bit critical, I'm a little bit harsh. And I'm not uh, the most pleasant. I sometimes take the pessimistic point of view, though I'd like to call it realist instead of pessimist. Um, if you got, you know, this is a little bit older. Some of you guys may not know who I'm talking about. Uh, one cool story I thought that came out this week was Jason Collier is going to be named to the Ohio Basketball Hall of Fame, which some of you guys probably don't know who Jason Collier is. Uh, Jason Collier is a former player at both Indiana University and Georgia Tech. Uh, he was half of the Twin Towers um, in the early 2000s with uh, Alvin Jones. Um, averaged 17 points, 8 rebounds at his two, in his two years at Georgia Tech. He was a legend uh, at his high school in Ohio. He actually died of cardiac arrest in 2005 during the preseason of the NBA season. Um, the D-League's Sportsmanship Award and his high school gym are both named after Jason Collier, and the Hawks also invite uh, Collier's parents to Atlanta every year uh, before the season starts to present the Jason Collier Award, which is given to the player who is uh, doing the most for his community. Um, I thought that was a really cool story. Uh, Jason Collier was, you know, a guy that um, kind of kept or got me back into uh, Georgia Tech basketball after some rough years after Marbury left. Um, and when Bobby Cremens was really winding down, um, and, and they were kind of, you know, things weren't great at the end of the Cremens era. And uh, Collier transferred in from Indiana, teamed up with Alvin Jones, Tony Akins, uh, I want to say Sean Fine was part of those teams. And while their records weren't very good, they at least played good basketball. And Collier was one of the... You know, he was a stretch five when there weren't any stretch fives. Okay, he was a he was a seven footer that could shoot it on one end and stuff it down your throat on the defensive end while he's while he's protecting the rim. And I, I just thought it was a cool story. Um, Collier is a guy that you know never had a, a fantastic NBA career, but was really widely known uh, for being just a class act and a really good guy. And uh, I, I just wanted to kind of get that out there. I thought it was a cool story. And uh, sometimes, you know, especially lately in, uh, in college basketball, we don't get a whole lot of, of great stories with the FBI investigation and things like that. So uh, that's it for me for today. I'll be back on Sunday. Uh, I hope you guys join me. And uh, I'll, uh, I'll try to, you know, scrounge, scrounge the barrel and, and get you guys some relevant information uh, for the offseason. I thank you for joining me. Uh, don't forget to like, rate, review, subscribe, share uh, to ACCBR. Look for new articles up later this week. I typically try to get stuff out on Friday, uh, maybe Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, check out my stuff on slapthesign.com, which is a Notre Dame uh, dedicated fan-sided um, uh, blog and uh you know uh, you know let's get my li my my listeners up my subscribers up um i thank you guys who have left reviews lately uh big shout out to t little who was uh, my first interview on the podcast he gave me a great review and uh you know those the numbers on my ratings are starting to come up and i appreciate all you guys who've taken the time to go ahead and rate the podcast uh love all you and uh, i'll see you on sunday hope you have a great rest of your week